Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Martel Cope. Martel is the founder and CEO of Brown Girl RDH, a nonprofit organization promoting cultural diversity within the dental hygiene field. Brown Girl RDH offers scholarships and supplemental support to all dental hygiene students covering costs outside of tuition, which include clinical supplies, equipment, loops, national and clinical board fees. The organization was founded two years ago and supports all students in need, regardless of race or gender. Brown Girl RDH has been very successful in helping students find resources to help with the cost of hygiene school. The organization has grown so much that in 2021, students will be able to apply for full tuition scholarships to an accredited dental hygiene school of their choice. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Ms. Martel Cope. Mattel, it is so great to have you today on the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. And obviously, you're just getting done with work. And I so appreciate that you just shut everything down and got here on time. So thank you so much for being here. Like I do with all my guests, I'd love it if you could start off by telling us a little bit about your story and how you got into dentistry in the first place and kind of what led you down the path to where you are, and I'd love to hear a little bit about Brown Girl RDH. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and thank you guys for watching. So I come from a family of 10. I'm the oldest girl of 10. I was actually born in Boston, Massachusetts, so I know. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, so I moved, well, my mom moved when we were in third grade. She moved to Florida, and being a family of 10, like, we grew up really poor, disadvantaged backgrounds, like, drugs in our family. Um, my mom sold drugs like that's what she did and I grew up around that so being the oldest girl I always had the responsibility to like be the mom to cook clean stay home from school and watch babysit the kids like that was my responsibility and I always had this passion to go to school and learn and I remember my mom you know saying like you got to stay home and watch the babies and you know I'm gonna go out and hustle and do whatever I do and I used to cry and be like I want to go to school so I would take and encyclopedias and dictionaries and just read them underneath the kitchen table and just have that that urge to just want to be a student like so I always had a passion for school and you know growing up poor my mom she didn't we didn't go to the dentist like we didn't have dental insurance I didn't know what a dentist was and I remember my sister having a really bad toothache and she was on the floor crying and she had to be probably like 12 or 13 and she was in so much pain and like nobody would help her and the only thing I remember my grandma was visiting and she's like well if you think that's bad never have a baby because you don't want to go through labor pains and I'm just like oh my gosh so my mom finally took my sister to the dentist and I went with her and they of course pulled the tooth because it was probably either that or a root canal, but they pulled the tooth and I remember my sister just coming out like this and um not crying anymore and then me seeing her not in pain just provoked the urge for me to be like okay I want to be a dentist like I want to do that not knowing that you know, it takes more than just saying you want to be a dentist, right? So then getting through high school, my last 
summer out of high school, I ended up getting pregnant. And I was like, wow, I'm never going to be able to be a, a dentist, a doctor, having a baby. Like I understood like having a baby at a young age without any college background and just a high school diploma wasn't going to get me far. I knew that because nobody in my family had been to college, but I knew what college was because of school and just knowing like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. And I had my daughter and I'm like, okay, I don't want to be pregnant in school. That's bad. Like I don't want to be, you know, pregnant in school. So I'm going to wait and I'm going to work. And at the time, my boyfriend was like, well, let's move to New York. My brother's in New York. We can go there and I'll work and I'll find a job. And you move to New York, you make more money. We were in North Carolina at this point. And I'm like, okay, I'll come. So we were sleeping on the floor on the air mattress. It was just bad. I, I remember not having a baby shower and I was 18. And uh, I was just like, I didn't know anything. So I knew, okay, after this baby, I'm going to at least do dental hygiene. So I did, I looked and I researched, okay, can't be a dentist. I'll do dental hygiene. So I researched that. And right after I had my daughter, I had I ended up having two seizures. I probably didn't have the health care that I needed. I was on like Medicaid or managed care, what you call it, and definitely didn't have a mom or anybody to say like, this is what you do. This is how you take your prenatals. And I ended up having uh, preeclampsia. So my feet swell up, my blood pressure rose, and I had two seizures. And just to let you understand how prepared I was to have this baby, I didn't even have a baby bag or clothes at the hospital. They had like all these uh, IVs in, in my baby's head. Like I didn't know what was going on. Nobody explained anything to me because again, I'm now I'm 19. I had my daughter two days after I turned 19, and I just didn't know what questions to ask. And honestly, when you're young, black, and you're on Medicaid, like they're not gonna answer questions. You think about going into a hospital or a doctor's office with your parent now, and you're asking questions, and they're like, uh, "The doctor will be in." So I feel like I was just kind of brushed off, and I didn't know. And um. They told me, they put me on seizure medication and they said, like, you can't do anything. Don't drive, don't cook, like, make sure there's somebody with the baby. So they diagnosed me with epilepsy, not diagnosing me with epilepsy as a condition of my pregnancy, right? So now that I understand. So I'm taking this seizure medication and I was trying to call the neurologist and say, like, how long do I have to take this? And no one answered my phone calls. I couldn't get a nurse. It was just bad. So I one day I said, no, I want to go to dental hygiene school. I don't want to be sitting at home. I, I don't want to live like this. And I called the dental hygiene school and I stopped taking that medication. And I said, I have a, a baby who's about six months now. And um, I want to be a dental hygienist. And the school told me, well, since you have a baby, that program is very competitive. And of course, I probably wasn't, you know, articulate and talking the way I am now because I've grown and that was 14 years ago. But they were like, that's very hard. You have a, a young baby. Maybe you should do dental assisting. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do dental assisting. I'm mean, no problem not knowing the difference between dental hygiene and dental assisting. So I did the entire uh, dental assisting program. It was a certificate program. I used Pell Grant for that one year program. I was working for a dentist. And you know, when you know there's something that's not for you, but you just don't know what is for you. So I was there and I was thinking, this is not me, I'm not happy, but I didn't know why I wasn't happy. And I was just going with the motions. And then I, I remember going over to the hygienist and of course they were white women. And I'm like, what do I have to do to be a dental hygienist? Like they were happy. Like I saw energy, like positive energy from them. And for me being a dental assistant, I was always like browbeat by the dentist. Like he would pull my mask up, like on my note, you know, up here and do things like that. And I never understood that. And, um, the dental hygienist told me, you know, you can do it. You know, it's very hard. There's competitive. It's all schoolwork. And I was thinking to myself, I love school. Like 
any this I'm a bookworm like I can go to school so I said you know what I'm gonna apply for it they're telling me how hard it is and how competitive it is but like I believe in myself enough so I applied and I got in the first try and I was like oh my goodness like congratulations you're just running by that but hearing your story and then just applying and getting in congratulations thank you so I, I did get in and um I was excited, like, when, when you get in, you're like, I'm going to be a hygienist. All you can see is a future check, like the paycheck. <laughs> like, I was like, yes. And um, I got the letter, and it said, by orientation, you need all of these things. And it was, um, we had, um, oh, so much instrument kits and uniforms and all of these things that we needed. And it was like $2,000. And I'm like, by orientation, I'm not going to have $2,000. So I remember that night having, like, gold earrings and a gold necklace. And I took it to a pawn shop. And I pawned it to get money and not even understanding, like, I didn't have enough money to make that 2000 I was just trying to figure out, like, where am I going to get this money? Then I dawned on me, like, I'm never going to have enough. $2,000 is not a lot of money. But for me, it was a lot. I was talking to a friend and her mom happened to be a maid for this wealthy family. And I told her I got into this program and I can't go because I cannot afford all of this stuff by orientation. And she's like, mm, yes, you can go. She's like, student loans. I'm like, well, okay, what are student loans? I don't know what student loans are. And she's like, listen, go down to the financial aid department at the school and tell them that you want to apply for student loans that you can afford all of this equipment but you got into this program and they will help you and sure enough i went down there and they pointed me in the right the right direction instead of them doing it for me they said this is what you need to do and we will disperse your pell grant earlier so that you can pay for your books and it's just like the power of just knowledge and having those resources or having somebody say, you're going to be a dental hygienist and this is how you do it. And I just, to this day, I appreciate her. I'm still friends with her. And um, she's just like, you know, now she's like, I'm the reason why you went to dental hygiene school. But even during dental hygiene school, being the only black girl in the program, being the only one with a baby, not knowing like, how am I going to pay for these board fees? I remember using a tax return to pay for my board fees and everybody was freaking out and their mom and dad and grandparents were helping them. And I was just like, I have nothing like, you know, it's just that extended stress. And then when my child, you know, was sick. I couldn't miss dental hygiene days. And it wasn't just about going and washing the dishes because you have to wash the dishes. It's like, I have a baby on my hip and I'm studying. And it was hard back then looking at it, but now I'm like, oh, this, this was the plan for everything that I'm doing now. So fast forward 10 years later, me being the only one that graduated college and one of three that graduated high school, um, I'm always helping my family. I'm always paying bills, getting cars, co-signing for things because I can because I'm like, like you said, you have to reach back. You have to be able to give back. And um, my brother called me one day. I was at work. And at this point, I'm taking prereqs to get into dental school because I'm like, I'm going to be a dentist. Like 10 years later, I'm still going to do it. So I'm taking these prereqs to get in dental school. And I have three kids now. It's not only one. I have three. And uh, my brother calls me and he says, uh, you know, our nephew is dead. And I go, what do you mean our nephew is dead? And he goes, I'm at the hospital right now. You need to come to the hospital. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? So I get to the hospital. Sure enough, my five-month-old nephew, Rafiq, is dead. We're trying to figure out like what's going on. So long story short, my brother had his girlfriend watching his baby who was five months. And she said she woke up and the baby wasn't moving. So the state comes in because he has two other children and they say, well, since we have a dead child, we need to remove the other kids. So I'm at the hospital like, whoa, what do you mean remove the kids? Like remove them 
from the home or just take them away from my brother. And they're like, we need to investigate. And we take the kids out the home. We're going to put them in foster care. And I'm like, oh, nope, that's not going to happen. Where do I have to sign? I'll take them. I'm like, my husband's a state trooper. I have a great job. I have a career. Like I can take them in. I have a home. And I signed the papers immediately to take my niece and nephew in. Then it was the hardest thing ever because again, I'm taking prereqs to get into dental school. So I was taking calculus and um, I think organic chemistry at the time. And I'm working. So I worked at a nighttime dental office, which I worked 2.30 to 10 and went to school during the day. So it worked out for me. So now I have my niece and nephew who are two and three, and I have my three kids who are five, 10, and two. And I, my husband's like, no, like we can't do it. Like get someone else to do it. And I'm like, pause, I'm gonna do this. Like, you're not gonna tell me what I'm doing for my family. Like, I got this, I'm superwoman. like I can do it. And he's like, you're on your own. And he really made it like, cause he's a state trooper. Cause he's like, I'm gonna show you like, you're gonna, you're gonna regret, you know, taking them in. And oh my goodness, it was the hardest thing ever juggling school and work and five kids. I know I had three car seats in a Honda Civic and I was just like squeezing them in so that they had car seats. And I remember working from two to 10 and getting off at eight, running to the daycare, picking up my niece and nephew, bringing them, sticking them in the consult room so I can finish up my nine o'clock patient. And they were in there just drawn on the wall with crayons and I'm in there after with a cavi wipe trying to, trying to get it off. And I'm like, this is just the hardest thing ever. So no family support, again, no financial support from the state. They paid for daycare and they paid for medical insurance for the kids. And I'm just like the burden. And then I started feeling like, oh my goodness, this is how I felt when I was in dental hygiene school. Like wanting so bad to, you know, be a dental hygienist, wanting so bad to pursue dental school. And now it's just taken away from me. So I ended up quitting my job and just temping when my husband didn't work. And then I ended up dropping out of school. So those prereqs that I was taking right mid semester, I dropped it, lost the money for taking those classes. And when I was at home, I decided to create something just thinking about life and, you know, why is it that I'm making $90,000 as a dental hygienist and struggling still? And my family is struggling still. And it's like, you really didn't make it out, right? Because mentally and physically, you're still there. You're still surrounded by that environment. But you are out, but you're not. So I ended up dropping out of school and then creating this support group for brown girls. And I was like, it's going to be brown girls. It's going to be for dental hygiene professionals that are going through the same things that I'm going through. And then I started doing more research and realizing like, wow, there's really not a community to support minorities in dental hygiene and then I started thinking about oh my goodness what about the men that are trying to pursue dental hygiene like why are they not represented uh, what about the black women in dental hygiene why are they not represented could it be because of they they're going through the same challenges as as I did you know growing up and um I just started doing my research and just looking at the statistics and like the organizations out there the support the ADHA the ADA just looking at everything and like why isn't anyone doing anything about supporting minorities in this field men are represented at one percent black women are represented at less than you know four percent and i said i'm gonna start a nonprofit, and i'm gonna call it brown girl rdh and it's gonna be inclusive and we're gonna help and support anyone who needs support and that was two years ago and i started it and i said i'm gonna go back to work so i went back to work and then i started temping 
and the money that I tempt with, because you know, you can make a little bit more tempting. I put that money in the bank and I'm like, this is going to be the bank account for the nonprofit. And then I called um, a couple of the dental hygiene schools in my area. And I said, I want to start a scholarship fund. And they said, well, it's just a thousand dollars to start it. And then it's recurrent. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll have that in a week. So I was so passionate about like, this is going to work. I'm going to start this nonprofit. I'm going to make this organization. I'm going to make a difference in dentistry. And I started the first scholarship off foundation and that was in May 20, 2018. Then I started getting out in the dental community. Before I was just a dental hygienist that scaled teeth and went home. I didn't go take any CEs. I didn't go on any CE cruises. I didn't interact, no conventions, nothing. And then I started getting out more. And then one of the biggest things is I um, went to RDH under one roof and I was like, okay, I'm going to get a booth and I'm going to put this on a credit card. And it was really expensive to get a booth there, but I was like, I got to do this. And nobody knew who I was. And I said, before I do that, I'm going to make a bunch of t-shirts. So I made these t-shirts. They say brand for RDH, so you can see it. So I made these t-shirts and um, I got the logo made and then I got it trademarked to make sure nobody else had it. And when I tell you, I don't even know how I did all of this stuff. It was just coming to me. There was just Google and me knowing like you can do it. And, and, and from the trademark application doing from finding the logo to getting the nonprofit status, I just did it all by just researching things. And I sent these shirts out to people. I, I sent them out to 12 people. I spent almost $300 on 12 t-shirts, like a silly person. And, uh, people were wearing them and they were hashtagging Brown Girl RDH. So by the time I got to RDH under one roof, everybody thought this was like a big organization because random people in different states had the shirts on. And um, it was just so many people that came. I think it was over 50 people that we had our first meetup. So I put on Facebook that we have a meetup. I was joining groups. I was like adding people, telling people about it. And the most important thing is like people felt like, wow, there's a community for minorities, but not only is it a community for minorities, that they're so inclusive that they support everyone. And our first scholarship application award went to a girl who was Mexican or her parents were immigrants. And it was back then when um, ISIS, you know, that was really, really big. And her parents were facing being deported. And she didn't have money for her dental hygiene board. And that, that was the first scholarship she applied. And she got it. And she was able to get her dental hygiene boards paid for by Brown Girl RDH. And now she's a dental hygienist. She works at a pediatric office. Her name is Denise. But when I went to the school to present the scholarship, I got so emotional because I'm like, this is why, I mean, she was crying, but I was crying because I cried. And I was like, this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that was like the, you know, catalyst to be like, you got to keep going. You got to keep doing this. So then I'm like reaching out to all these companies and, you know, telling them what I'm doing. And of course, some companies are like, okay, great. You know, I applaud your efforts. But then other companies were like, oh yeah, we want to support you. So like Dense by Serona was like one of the biggest ones that got behind us and, and donated scholarships and Quipped was another big toothbrush company that donated four national board scholarships and then we had the board reviews from Andy RDH and then Q Optics were donated loops and then once people started seeing all of these major corporate sponsors donating scholarships and it's not money they're donating they're donating their loops they're donating board fees that they're donating like we're not giving money to students so then it was like we know that these students are being helped like I know that Martel couldn't afford a pair of loops in school. I got a doctor's note saying that I couldn't wear them so I didn't have to buy them and I didn't get kicked out of the program. Like I made it around getting dental loops, but I know how much of those cost. So, you know, when I, when I would reach out to Q, I would say, listen, this is, you know, something that would help a student. And um, these partnerships that came about, then other companies started really like saying like, wow, this, 
this organization is really doing something. And then it grew from, you know, nothing to over 2,500 members and over 200 student members that applied just to be a part of it so that if they're in need one day, they can apply for a scholarship. And everything that I've built is based on my experiences. So, you know, not having a deadline for the scholarship application I feel like that's really important. If somebody lost their job or their mom or their parents lost their job during COVID and they needed to pay for their board fees, we would be here. Like there's not an application deadline, you know, it's based off need, it's based off your story. Like these are the people that were helping. Um, one of the girls, her boyfriend died and her mom died and she applied for the dental hygiene scholarship and it was only for a handpiece. And um, at that time, Young Dental was one of our sponsors that were donating handpieces, but she couldn't use the Young Dental handpiece because the hygiene school had a specific handpiece. So it was a, the Dense by a Serona, the cordless one, and we ended up just buying it for her. And yeah, it was only $800, but you know what? That was $800 she didn't have to worry about. And she didn't tell us that her, her mom uh, passed and her boyfriend passed, but her dental hygiene instructor emailed us and told us, we don't even know how much of an impact that made for her just to cover that handpiece. No, we didn't give her $800, but it took away that burden. So I know how that is. And, you know, when you ask for a handout, it's like the people on the side of the road, like, oh, I'm hungry. Any money? It's like, well, I'll feed you. And then they're like, no, I don't want a burger. Like, give me money. So it's like, I'm thinking like that, like that mentality. Like if someone needs support, you help them. If someone says they're hungry, you feed them. You know, if someone is in need and, you know, this is going to make or break their dental hygiene journey, even for the support. Just her getting that handpiece probably pushed her to say, I got to finish because this organization took the time out to support me. So I got to make it. I got to become a dental hygienist. So fast forward two years later, that was in the first year, and we've given over 17 scholarships. And I think our scholarships ranged over about $26,000 now because this year we're given full scholarships. So we had the opportunity to partner with Burst, who um, is giving two students full tuition scholarships, and we've already selected one. So by the time you guys hear this, we'll have a selected two students and we're paying for their tuition for the entire year of their dental hygiene program. So it's some amazing things going on, all from an idea, but all from, you know, a tragic event happening. And going through all of that, that stress and that depression and that, you know, why is this? Why don't we have support? And, you know, I always say, like, I don't go through things for me. Like, it's not for me. It's for the next person. It's for me to say, you know what, get up. You can get through it because look what I've gotten through. So coming from a family of 10, not having a father figure, you know, growing up in drugs, being molested as a kid, you know, my nephew dying. And then a year later on the exact day, my brother that called me about my nephew was killed. It's just like all of these things are happening and I have to be strong, you know, but people don't understand. It's not me being strong for me. It's me being, it's the organization that's holding me up. Cause I could have like pulled out a long time ago and be like, you know, I'm done. Cause it, it's hard. It's hard being an entrepreneur. It's hard work and it's hard being the face of an entire organization that represents diversity. So um, in our organization, organization is called Brown Girl RDH. So with that, you know, there are a lot of ugly people that are like, well, why is it this? And why is it that? And you know, this is racist. And it's like, but is it because if it's what I represent, that's who I am, you know, so I always I used to, you know, be like, you know, we don't get upset about the European day spa. And we don't, we don't challenge it. It's just understood. But then I stopped defending it. And it's like, either you get it and you support it or you don't or you move along. Because, you know, we don't say, we don't discriminate against who's going to get support. We genuinely care about people. 
And, um, you know, that's why I feel like things are coming. All of these organizations and companies are like, what can we do to help you? What can we do to support you? Because they see it. And it's not like, you know, I'm getting grants and loans and stuff. It's like everything that we've done is from relationships that I've built from people just listening to me, hearing my story or feeling energy or just knowing like it's for the good, right? It's, it's for the good. So I really had to take a step back and, you know, really think about now that COVID and everything's happening. Say like, what do I really want to do? Do I want to, you know, pursue dental school and, you know, have debt and take four years of my life. And, you know, now I have my three kids and, or do I want to run this organization and be that representation and, and be that support that people need? Because it's not anything in this world like that right now. So we need you stay where you are. Not that I want to discourage you from going to dental school, certainly, but you have a passion and a mission that you are on fire with. Don't snuff it out. Absolutely not. Oh my gosh. What an amazing story, Martel. I mean, just amazing. Congratulations. Good for you. Like half the people that I know complain about having pimples. Seriously. I mean, and you overcame some of the most amazing obstacles in your life and you still succeeded because that's what you wanted to do. Congratulations. Your mindset is, is spot on. That's one of the things I, I teach about and talk about a lot in things outside of the podcast, but mindset is, is critically important. How you manage things and how you think about things can define your whole entire life and you defined it well. Good for you. Thank you. Do you know where that came from? I, were you inspired by something or was it just more that you didn't want to grow up to be what you saw? It was purely on me not wanting to be what I saw. I didn't like that feeling and I kind of knew it wasn't, it wasn't right. And when people say you're supposed to be something, you're going to be somebody. When people say those things, you don't think about them, but then you know why you're like, okay, now I get it. Like, it wasn't the fact of me going through dental hygiene school and, you know, struggling to get there. It was the point, the point that I was supposed to create this organization. It was already planned for me. So now I just don't worry about anything. Like I, I have a saying that I say to myself, it's like, can you do something about it? Then don't worry. Can you do something about it? No, then, then don't worry. Like it's no need to worry because you know, either way, it's going to turn out the way it needs to turn out. So yeah, nothing, just, just knowing that I, didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to have a bunch of kids. I didn't want to be poor. I didn't, you know, I want to have a better life for my kids. Yeah, I would say that that was it, honestly. Congratulations. Now, where do you live now? I live in North Carolina now. North Carolina. So you did go from New York back to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Yep. I ended up moving uh, to 2014. I moved to North Carolina. Um, I just went through Asheville on a trip last week and, and uh, was beautiful there. It was really lovely. Very nice. I actually love Asheville. I've been one time, but I, I did fall in love with it. Yeah, it's a pretty little town. Really pretty. So what's the best single piece of advice you've ever gotten? And who provided it to you? Because you didn't have guidance, obviously, from your mom and no dad. So, you know, who was your mentor and your guardian angel to help you through? So I really didn't have a mentor until um, recently, like meeting different women in this profession. Once I came into the organization and started building a foundation, I didn't have anybody 
you know, that pass the baton. But I recently listened to a podcast. It's called, um, I think it's called Glam Nation. And this lady on there, her name was Myosha Boykin. And I'm really just now starting to have these aha moments. You would think Martel has it figured out. There's no way that she can get all this stuff. No, like my self-awareness and emotional intelligence and all of that stuff was way low. <laughs> like I'm just now learning like who I am, you know, how to be confident, what, what it is, what's my purpose, right? So she said, look for the opportunity and the opportunity we have this really bad habit of saying like, oh, I'm better than that. That's not for me. Like, I know what I want, but there's always an opportunity in the opportunity. So that really stuck with me. And that's the best piece of advice because, you know, that opportunity of my nephew passing away and me being able to create this platform, that was the opportunity in the opportunity. So you, I knew it and I did it, but I didn't know what I was doing. So that would be it. Yeah. But even though, and I, I think this is critically important for the audience to understand, it, even though you didn't know what you were going to do or know how to do it, you just did it one step at a time every single day, day in, day out, and you just kept moving forward. That most people can't do. So you do have a strong mindset and a really strong constitution because most people can't do that. So again, congratulations. It's, it's an amazing journey. What do you think has had the biggest impact, that situation where your nephew died? Yeah, so that, when my nephew died, but he was, he was five months. And the biggest impact was when my brother that called me and told me that he died, he was actually killed um, coming home from school. So he would have been the second of my mom's children to go to college. And um, he, his friend shot him. So... That on and it happened on the same day that my nephew died, November nineteenth, just a year apart. And I feel like just that there's no coincidences. So mm -hmm. just those things happening a year apart, that made me realize like we are so much bigger than what we present here in life. Like even like having this podcast or going to work every day or just the things that we're doing the day in and day out, like we're so much more than that. And if we just don't sit back and enjoy life or just like COVID just happened, right? And everybody's like, okay, we have to pivot and do all these things. Like we should have been thinking like that. Like everything is everything, but everything is not everything. So I always say everything is everything because everything is important to you only when it's important to you. Like, you know, us, going to a restaurant to eat was not important but now it's everything because of covid so we have to think like you know everything is everything so we have to live our you know life like today can be my last day and if i died today would i be happy so that's how i try to live like if i passed away if i went out god forbid and passed away right now would i be happy would i say i fulfilled what i needed to do for me in my life so, and I think that comes with serving others and inspiring others and leading and just leading and, you know, not being just that person in the room that's going to wait for someone else, you know, to do something right. Just being true to yourself and yeah, just self-awareness, being true and everything is always everything, like for sure. Amazing. When you think about your mom and the situation that you grew up in, do you have anger? No, I don't have anger because I understand her trauma. So you kind of have to understand like, okay, she did what she thought she was supposed to be doing. She didn't know any better. So it's like, 
I understand now. Like you thought me, she thought her selling drugs was going to, was going to provide for her children. Like she did make a lot of money on it doing that, but she thought that was the best lifestyle. So I don't, I don't get angry at her. I just understand where her mind is. So one of the things that we had to have like a really, like a, some, do some really deep soul searching was I didn't want my niece and nephew to go live with my mom because my mom could have took them in because the guy, my stepdad, she's married to molested us as children. So I didn't want my niece and nephew to go with them and I tried to hold on to them. So that was another thing like, you know, I, I, I'll take them, you know, but my mom, her being who she is, she was also molested by her father. So for her, maybe it, it's not, that's normal, right? Psychologically, maybe she thinks, you know, this is something that happens. And for me, I knew like, okay, we got to, this is not right. Like, you know, my kids don't know that her as her grandma, as their grandmother, because I don't take my kids around them. And she's an hour and a half away, right? So it's like some of those things that are, are happening, I just have to understand, like, she doesn't know. So something came up where I told my mom, okay, my niece and nephew, are, she's, they're with my mom now she had to take them. And I had a conversation with her and I was like, I'm going to check on these kids and I'm going to be asking them questions about if, are they being touched? Are they being this? Are they being that? And my mom's like, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to let that happen to them. You know, I couldn't protect you guys. So this is my mom telling me like, I couldn't protect you, but I'm going to protect them. And I said, you can still protect me. You're still married to this same man. Do you understand that? And then she had to sit there and just be like, it's not the point if somebody murders your child. I mean, you might forgive them, but guess what? They still took your child away. So if somebody took your child's innocence away, why are you still married to them? So I figured where my mom is, I just have to meet her mentally and say, like, you don't know any better. Like, you are, something is really wrong for you not to understand, like, this is a problem. So it's like when you have a child or a disabled person, like, you don't fault them and you don't judge them. You just understand like that's what they are. So for me, it's like, I just understand and I'm more understanding. I don't, I'm not angry at her. I don't hate her. I'm like, that's just where she is mentally. And the only thing I can do is make sure my kids never have to experience that and that I am better for them than she is. And even if they don't know who their grandma is, like I'm still protecting my kids so that they don't know that, you know, um, and my niece and nephew, I'm like, one of these days, I'm going to be able not to work and have enough money to take them in and just have a whole foster care home. But, you know, I have to get to that point. You can't, if I'm not here for me, how can I be there for them? So that burden of having them, it was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't have five kids. There's no support. Like, they have to go somewhere. And it's just one of those things that we're struggling with. And I'm being very open, you know, like, right, right. This. But I'm being very open because this is happening every day and people are not going to talk about it for being ashamed or embarrassed or, you know, it's just taboo. You don't talk about it. But no, this is happening every single day. And we don't know about it when you don't talk about it. So let's bring this to the surface and let's talk about it some more so that you can provide support to those women or men out there that are going through similar situations. Absolutely. I, I, I applaud you for your efforts because you're talking about it and it's a problem, people. Open your eyes. Let's start dealing with it. Yep. 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 Kudos. So when you reflect back on your life, you seem to have a fair amount of confidence at this moment in time. Were you always confident when you were younger? And if so, what do you think led to that? 
no, <laughs> I was not confident when I was younger. And because I went through a lot of emotional abuse, right? A lot of verbal abuse, a lot of physical abuse. So I didn't have confidence at all. And I learned to compartmentalize like my feelings. So I look like this tough person on the exterior, but like, you know, I just had a big heart and just wanted to be hugged. Like I always tell people, I need a big hug. Let me give you some virtual hug. But um, no, I didn't have confidence. And I still didn't have confidence for a very long time until most recently. And I feel like confidence is something for people that comes and goes. You cannot walk around every day and be like, I'm confident, I'm confident. Because there's always something inside that is like, you have to humble yourself enough to be like, well, maybe I don't feel pretty right now. Maybe I don't feel strong right now. Maybe I don't feel as smart right now. Because there's always going to be something, somebody that has more money than you, that's smarter than you, that's prettier than you. So it's something that's constantly evolving and confident. So I say, forget confidence and let's have more self-awareness. Let's really know who we are inside to where we don't even have to think about what is confidence. Like I'm so connected with who I am spiritually as a person and I understand who I am and I'm so self-aware that, you know, I can read you based on how you're reacting to me. So um, just reaching that level of, you know, not reacting, not getting upset, you know, not feeling less of because of external factors or people or, you know, just relationships. So I'm trying to, to learn that and just be more self-aware. So I wouldn't really say confidence because that is gonna, always fluctuate. So tell me how you became so self-aware. What process, I mean, share this with the audience. How did you go through this process and how did you get to this point? I would say really dealing with people, dealing with people, reading a lot of, a, a lot of books and looking at different, observing, looking at different situations and how people react to things and understanding you wouldn't know my story if you just saw me like we met through facebook right and if you just saw me you would think wow this is a nice girl she's well put together she has organization things going on but not knowing that the struggle behind it everything that i'm doing is a reflection of who i am right so i feel like that self-awareness comes from just meeting people interacting and trying to understand them and not initially judge them because i can get judged you know quickly right so try not to judge them and try not to react so it's this thing called these phases of enlightenment so I'm all about understanding like who I am and who am I dealing with and then that goes into a whole spiritual realm and it takes time and you're constantly going back and forth so we have to look at ourselves someone made an observation the other day to me and they said you refer to yourself in the third person a lot that means you're very self-aware and I really do that and sometimes if there's a situation and I overreact I just say like okay Martel like check yourself is it you or like what's going on but in reality we shouldn't really be reacting to anything like nothing should change our energy our energy should be balanced now I'm not saying not to get angry because there's you know child you know trafficking and there's a lot of bad things going on right now but be grounded and balanced enough to where that doesn't change your mood to where you're snapping at the lady at Dunkin Donuts because you know you woke up late because we do things like that. We're irritable. We didn't get our coffee. Like we're having a bad day. It's no such thing as a bad day. Like you choose, you know, you determine that because for me, the worst day of my life was when I got the call that my brother was, was uh, killed. Like I remember that, like that was the worst day of my life. So I will never ever have a bad day because nothing can ever top that besides my children being taken away, being murdered, being killed, God forbid. But, you know, just having that trauma back to back, like there's no such thing as a bad day. We should be happy. We should be grateful. We should always 
you know, keep this sense of balance with us because that's what you're going to put off and that's going to come back to you. So if I'm constantly uh, 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 irritated, you know, Aggie, as I would say, that will come back to you and you're never going to see light. You're never going to be able to have positivity or, you know, reach it through just talking like on a Zoom call. Like you're not going to be able to feel it, you know, you won't be able to look at it. I situation. can feel your energy. Absolutely. Yeah. Positively. You're not going to be able to, you know, you won't be able to do that because you're not putting that out. So tell me a little bit about, you know, this journey seems fascinating to me. I have a very strong spiritual practice as well, but I've never seen a young woman be so transformed in such a short amount of time. I don't know what you were like before all of this happened and before Brown Girl RDH took off, but I am so impressed in a very short amount of time with you as a human being that it's amazing what you've been through and it's amazing what you're doing so any recommendations what books have you read what can you share with the audience to help maybe guide somebody who might be going through something similar in their journey you've made some great choices right you could the path and the road has two two ways it can go you could have chosen to go down the anger path and that's why i asked about it but you chose not to. You chose to be, okay, this is part of my life. This is who I, but I don't have to be that. I can choose another path. I don't have to go down the same path my family went down. I chose another path. So anything that you can share so that you can help anybody else that might be going through something. Yeah. So um, two of the books that I always go to, one book is called uh, Emotional Intelligence. I forget the author of it but there's two versions of it and another one is just the laws of attraction any of those books, I I really do read them and understand it and then I try to put like the situations that happened in my head you know how they give the scenarios I'm like okay this is, this is what happened at work or this is what I did so those two are actually just just the two that I do but I, I would also say like you got to go through stuff like nobody's going to be like you know no one's going to be like me if they if I haven't been through anything what do I have to tell you what's you know it's not even about the story it's about what experience can I say you know what I went through that and this is how I felt and before all of this I was angry I was very angry but you know that was from me not understanding why I didn't have a father why did we have to grow up poor? Why did it? Why did I become a teen mom? Why didn't I have the same opportunities? But I was angry because I was comparing my life to other people. You can't compare your life to other people. You have to compare yourself to yourself. So that means I have to start working on myself to say, you're angry now. What are you going to do about it? To say, there's no diversity in dental hygiene. It's lacking. What are you going to do about it? A lot of people will chirp, chirp, chirp. And like, this is bad. And this is oppression. And, you know, Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. Okay, but what are you going to do about it? Like, it doesn't make sense to keep talking about it if you're not going to do anything. So you have no right to speak about it if you're not going to make a change. Or That old adage is... Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, yeah. And if you can't, then find somebody who can because I can't do everything, but I will sure have a resource to say, hey, by the way, MJ, can you help me with this or point me in the right direction? But people are too lazy and they're very selfish. And I feel like you have to be selfless to be able to even to get to that point. So I'm still a work in progress. And even today I just like got out of character and I was like, why did I, why did I let someone, you know, that energy come you know, the way it did. And um, it was just something simple as, you know, someone being passive aggressive. And instead of me just saying, 
okay, you're having a bad day. I was just like, grow up and <laughs> stop throwing a temper tantrum. Like, I just let them have it. Like, this is not what we do. Like, but you know, I shouldn't have said anything and I should not have reacted. And then I had to talk to myself again and say, Martel, why did you even react? Like, that person knows exactly what they're doing. So for you to waste your energy and make that, and just take away from your energy to spend it on that, you know, it was pointless. So I had to understand to myself, you just let yourself get to that point because you had to tell that person that they need to grow up and stop throwing temper tantrums and you're at work and be an adult and learn how to communicate. But that was unnecessary. That person knows that. So people know what they're doing and we're wasting energy on it. Like we shouldn't be doing that. I should have just walked away, went in my room, did my notes or did, you know, whatever. But I took the time to, enter, to entertain that. And it was negative. It was very negative. So you just got to go through it and you have to just really check in with yourself. Like, what am I doing? Have you ever um, like saw like Call of Duty, the video game or like any games where they're like holding like guns or whatever in there, you just see the arms or the gun or whatever. And that's what I feel like most people are. They're like, I'm going to go over here and now I have to wake up and my alarm clock and go to work and I have to call and we're doing the Zoom conference. And most people are living like that. But most people are not living in a panoramic view to where they're actually playing like and like Madden or something, and they're watching the basketball player, and they're running, and they're seeing the entire guy. They're, they're just seeing the hands at this point, and they're living by the hands. And you're not looking down at yourself saying like, okay, what am I going to do today? What am I doing to create my future? Like, what goals am I working on? Or who am I trying to inspire today? Or what am I doing for myself? How do I love myself today? So they're not looking like that. And I feel like most people, we need to start getting there to where we're actually viewing we're viewing ourselves as a whole person because we're just going through the motions and you can't live like that. Because one thing for sure, we're gonna die. Everybody's gonna die. So you need to figure out, you don't know when, so you need to figure out if you died today, would you be happy? Would you be happy with every single thing that you did today? And most people will not. Maybe they're just not gonna be. That's right. Oh my gosh, you're really inspirational. I, I must say, probably one of the most inspirational women I've talked to. Who in dentistry inspires you? In dentistry, I would have to say everyone, for me, for dentistry, because it wasn't a thing two years ago, but I feel like the people who show support, the people who believe in me, the people who, like you, who are saying, you're such an inspiration, like, those are who inspire me, because that's, like, that's the energy of, like, thank you so much. Like, I don't expect it, but I appreciate it, and that means I'm doing something right, so I have to keep going. So it's everyone that, you know, that I represent. You know, I can represent you. I can represent this male. I can represent anyone. It's just like just being a person and being human and, and being humble. So the people that support Brown Girl RDH or the people that make efforts to do other things to support causes in dentistry and just to uplift people and to reach back, like those are the people who inspire me. And there's a lot of us in dentistry. Um, there's a lot of us doing podcasts like this, lifting our voices. Like that's what inspires me. Awesome. Awesome. What would be one thing that people would be surprised to know about you? Oh, me. Uh, well, you guys already heard that I come from a big family, but, um, you know, my skin is very dark and I'd like to go tanning. I actually go to the tanning bed and I feel like that's just energy. That That's just energy. And I'm not going to get darker. I just feel like sometimes we need, we need a little bit of heat. Um, I love heat. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's interesting. I guess that's interesting, right? <laughs> How would you go tanning? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, you mentioned an aha moment 
you know, uh, can you tell me one specific moment that you had an aha moment when with about uh, Brown Girl RDH, where you knew you 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 were meant to do this? Um. Yeah. So the aha moment was definitely when I went to a mentorship uh, program and you know just learning about myself. And I was like, I'm going to be a dentist because I want to be the first dentist. Like, it was a pride thing. It's ego, right? And I want to be a dentist because I'll be the first in my family, and I know I can do it, and this is why I want to do it. But I missed the entire thing, and this guy said to me, his name is Elijah Desmond. He said, do you, are you proud of yourself right now? And I go, Brown Girl's already established by this point. And I go, yeah, I'm proud of myself. And he goes, okay. so." what would make you proud about doing dentistry? And I said, nothing. I just want to say that I'm a doctor and I've accomplished it. He's like, okay, how long is it going to take you? <laughs> I'm like, probably four years, you know, five years. And he goes, how much money is it going to cost? How much time are you going to um, miss working, doing hygiene, doing this? How old are you now? And then I started factoring it in. And he's like, would you rather be stuck to a drill or would you rather be out speaking, going to schools, motivating people, making a difference, doing what you're doing. He said, I'm looking at you right now and I can't see you with a drill in an office working for somebody. He's like, you're not going to be making a lot of money because you're going to be fresh out of school. Like he was giving me all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this entire time I'm like trying to take 15 classes and do all this stuff to say like, I'm doing this because I want to do it, but I didn't, that's not what I needed to be doing. And it was so hard and it was such a struggle juggling all of that stuff. I mean, even from, you know, having my niece and nephew and going to school to dropping out to going back to school to, to drive in two hours and then COVID happened and I'm taking classes in March. I took, I was taking botany, ecology and zoology. I'm still taking courses. And then my kids are in school. So I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. I can't be in school. And then they're in school and we had to instruct them. And I was just like, I just withdrew from the program. But it was like, everything was a struggle. Academically, I wasn't failing or anything, but it took up a lot of my time. And I was taken away from Brown Girl RDH because you cannot give 100%. And after COVID-19, like come March, April, like Brown Girl RDH just took off. Like we were able, because I was just focused solely on that. And I saw the growth. And I saw people connecting and I saw people crying and I saw people saying like how much this organization meant to them. I was able to focus more on that. And with all that being said, like that was my aha moment. Like this is something that you need to be doing. Like this is something you need to be doing. And even now I'm working, but you know, I've been working here at this office that I'm working at for a month. And at one month, you know, I was like, this is not for me. Like I don't need to be doing hygiene. So this is my last, month actually this week Wednesday will be my last day working as a dental hygienist because sometimes you got to go back and be like wait a minute I'm here what seven to five every single day doing hygiene because it's COVID-19 we need income but if I put that same energy into doing things like this getting the word out reaching out to sponsors then I can literally take a salary from my nonprofit. not that I'm doing it to do that but that's what people do right and I don't need to be doing that and I can be you know with my children and not not stuck in an operatory uh, without a window. So I, I'm just going to take the leap and to be continued. And I don't know where this is going to go, but this is my last week doing hygiene. Like I'm, I'm out and I haven't even made that announcement yet, but you know. Well, congratulations. I know Elijah well, and I have spent a fair amount of time with him and no one that I have met inspires me more male wise than Elijah. And I have to say that, that 
I, I had a feeling that he might be a mentor to you, but he has been instrumental in so many lives in getting so many young women to realize, and men, to realize that they don't have to stay in the four walls of the operatory. And I, I share the same vision. I think that, you know, every single day we should be doing something that we're really passionate about. If you love your patients, great, do that. If you love, you know, talking to people and, you know, providing scholarships, do that. But do what you're passionate about every single day because life is short and we are all going to die. And, you know, that adage of we only live one life, oh, no. We live every day. It's how we choose to live our days. We only die once, but we live every day. Yes, that, absolutely. Yep. And that was my, that he was my aha moment. And I still didn't learn. And I'm like, oh, let me go back in here. Cause you know, once you're out, you're out. But I was like, oh, let me dip back in. But it's like, take the risk, jump and figure things out. So now I'm like, okay. You figured it out. It's okay. I'm, yeah, I'm getting there. So yes, to be continued. So good things. I, I can't wait to watch your journey. I can't wait to see what you do with it. So I'm really excited for you. Congratulations. So tell me your favorite way to manage stress, because obviously you've had a few stressful moments in your life. You've got to have found a way to manage it. So how do you manage it? Yeah. Um, one thing, like I said um, before, I, when I'm having a bad day, it's like nothing can compare to, you know, the, the, the worst day of my life. Right. So I base it off of that. If nobody died close to me, then I'm not having a bad day. I'm going through a moment and I need to like, we'll saw it out. Um, but when I'm having a stressful day, um, quiet, like just peace and quiet. And I listen to this song every day on repeat and it's called Promise. And it's like, everything's going to be okay. It doesn't matter. And it's, it's kind of like a lullaby, but it's really not because it's a song, but it's very soothing. And just to like constantly hear that replaying and replaying and just know that if it's not today, tomorrow, it's going to be all right. Like everything's going to happen and everything will be all right. So I always listen to that song. It's by Janine uh, Ayako. And I think she made it for her child or her daughter or something. But um, it's just, it's very inspirational to me. So just something that relaxes you. And for me, it's music. For me, it's mu positive music. Positive music. And that gets That's it. awesome. Do you have a secret dream that you want to share with the audience? My secret dream is to be able to so one of the things that I see a lot in my group are dental hygienists being treated unfairly, minority dental hygienists being treated unfairly, just dental hygienists in general, not being respected and appreciated. So my dream is to create um, an organization, a platform, a company to where these hygienists are empowered and they feel valued in whatever way that can be. But um, somebody said something to me, I'd speak to this guy. His name is Zamir Kelly and he's very spiritual and he does like readings and I'm like into all of that stuff. And I called him and he did a reading for me and he said, don't worry about anything. You have nothing to worry about. He's like, you have everything you want. He's like, you, everything that you look at and touch will turn to gold. Just know that. He's like, I see in your future, you employing people, people come to you getting jobs. Unplug yourself from things that are no longer serving you. You have too many plugs in the outlet that that's just draining. you. He's like, get rid of that. And I knew what he was meaning, but I was like, I don't know. And I was still scared. And I believe it. I believe in him. I believe that he, what he's saying will, 
will become true. And I believe that I can manifest that. And I was joking around with a friend and saying, like, I think I'm a witch because everything I think of and everything that I say, it comes, it comes to, he's like, you're not a witch. He's like, you just put that energy out there and it comes back to you. I'm like, it's kind of freaking me out because I can say something and want it and it'll happen. So me employing hygienists, empowering them, giving them fair salaries, you know, giving them the opportunity to express and not only express, but um, be, be treated and to treat patients and have that, you know, that autonomy to do that. Like, I feel like that's what my dream would be like to create that legacy for others. Again, everything that I talk about is like for other people, but I live for this. (laughs) It is what it is. You know, absolutely amazing. I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and for sharing your time with us. I have not been as inspired by anyone that I have interviewed. You are rocking it and you are going places and I cannot wait to see what you do. I just cannot. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. I really do. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.